Hi there folks, uh, just before we get into our message this morning, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for watching over our, our church so far in this lockdown. Lord, we were um, talking as elders and to see that almost 20% of the adults that come to our church uh, could qualify as a frontline worker in some shape or form. And yet you have protected our church from uh, this virus. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your graciousness. We thank you for your protection, Lord. Lord, we are conscious that not everyone is in such a fortunate position. And so, Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray for the families that are struggling at this time, uh, struggling from being apart from one another. Lord, those who are struggling because of bereavement and not being able to come together and to support one another the way they want to. Lord, we think of just all the different things that are happening because of, of this virus and the impact it's making. And Lord, we just continue to look to you for your strength and for your wisdom, Lord. And Lord, just before we go into our message, Lord, we just want to pray for the Smith family as well. Lord, with this uh, terrible accident that happened up in Ballycastle, Lord, we pray for young Hannah uh, in hospital still. And Lord, we pray for the driver of that uh, tractor, Lord, a young boy who just struggling to come to terms with it all. And so, Lord, just move in that situation. Lord, with all the families and all, and all the people in the community up there, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would bring healing and comfort in these times. And so, Lord, as we look around our own uh, town as well, Lord, there are others who need you to just reach in. And so, Lord, even as we open your word today, Lord, may you do so um, in a powerful way. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so the message this morning is simply about getting where we need to go. How do we know what God's will is? Now, that's a whole series in itself. And uh, I'm thinking about doing it soon, although... To be honest, it's really hard trying to know uh, how long a lockdown series should be. Um, I've no idea how long running on empty should be. I'll be running empty of ideas maybe before this is over. So dealing with God's will for us may be something that we move on to in June. Uh, but it came to me for this series because at the minute, as a pastor with the church elders and I suppose with everyone else who, who's leading a church at the minute, we're wrestling with some big questions what next? How next? What, what's the time frame? Can we guarantee safety? Is it possible to do anything without some element of risk? Where's the balance between risk and responsibility? Uh, what about people with the GP orders to stay home still? Is it really fair for a church to try and meet together and only compound other people's feeling of isolation? As a church leadership, we've decided that a drive-in church is not workable. We, 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 we wanted to make things work, but uh, it's almost impossible to try and get all the cars in, to maintain social distancing, and then, you know, if children need the toilet facilities, do we have to deep clean them every single time? And it all becomes very unworkable and becomes very strained as an effort. Um, you know, not even trying to put the praise team together to try and socially this it, it doesn't really make sense now we'll keep an eye on government advice we'll keep an eye on medical advice but 
it's hard because we can't adequately answer some of the big questions. There's too many variables and that's what makes it so hard. It's frustrating because as a leader, I want, I need to be able to articulate clearly where we're going to be trying to go, how we want to get there. And all I can say for sure is that, well, like, we as elders are in communication with one another. We're trying to respond prayerfully as and when new guidelines are given. And I suppose that's where I struggle the most, not when there's no options or when there's only one option, but when there are so many options when all of them may or may not be good, it depends on factors that we don't know about yet. It's like trying to buy a new car and all you know is what color they are. It's not enough information to make a good decision. So it's frustrating and I know that you'll be feeling it too. There's people who need to decide if you're gonna stick or twist when it comes to a date and venue for weddings. Some have rearranged already, some may need to do so again. What about people who've booked holidays or weekend breaks for September, October, November? What about schools and teachers and students? What about special needs schools? What about respite units? I mean, we all know what we want, but to try and plot a roadmap there, clearly with timeframes, it's impossible still. And here we find the theme for the message this morning. How do you know the road God has planned for you? Life with God is a journey, but every journey has three parts. There's the first part where we set off, we fill the tank, we check our gauges and we decide on our destination. We say, okay, here's where I want my life to go. Here's the direction I'm going. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to go where he leads me. I'm going to live out Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp to my path, feet and a light to my path. Yes, Lord, you're going to lead me. You're going to guide me. Fulfill your plans for my life. I'm setting off second part of the journey is plotting the route because the final destination is one thing knowing where you want to go is one thing but how do we best get there now we'll focus mainly on that today because there can be lots of different turns that you can take and a lot of different routes that you may try to take there so how do you know it's the right road how do you know it's the road that god wants you to take to get to your destination and the third and final part is allowing yourself time for the journey before moving down into the town it took me an hour to get from my last house to the church. So that was an hour to church in the morning, an hour back, and again in the evening, Sundays at least four hours in the car. Now I'll admit there was times where I cut it a wee bit tight. Um, the girls were younger, so uh, they're still nappies. You know, you've had a wee bit of an explosion or whatever. And yet I was always conscious, you have to give yourself time for the journey. You just can't hope that you'll leave and instantly you're going to be there. That's teleporting. That's not how cars work. Journeys take time. And if you want God to take you to the places that he wants to take you to, it will take time. You have to allow time for that journey. You have to be ready for that. And so... There are three parts of the journey and there's three lessons that I really want you to take from the message this morning. Number one, it's important to learn discernment. Discernment is the ability to tell which are the right roads to take and which are the wrong roads to take. My prayer is that for you is going to be the same as Paul in Philippians 1. This is from the New Century Version where he says, This is my prayer for you, that your love will grow more and more, that you will have knowledge and understanding with your love that you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good, that you will be pure and without wrong for the coming of Christ. Knowledge and understanding, two different things. Knowledge is knowing that tomorrow's a fruit. Understanding is knowing that it doesn't go into a fruit salad. The importance of discernment. 
The second thing that I want you to learn this morning is the importance of learning courage. Courage isn't about being fearless. If you're not afraid, then you're not really being courageous. Courage is being afraid, but doing it anyway because you know it's the right thing to do. We'll touch on that later on. Courage, it's a wee bit like David speaking to Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28 where he says, Be strong and courageous. Do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged because the Lord God, my God, is with you. That's courage. Like, there's going to be a lot of reasons to stop, but keep going. Don't be afraid. Learn discernment. Learn courage. And number three, I want you to learn the importance of generosity. God is a generous God. Everything we have is because he has given it to us. And so to reach our destination, which in this life is being saturated and becoming more like him, then we must be growing in generosity. First Peter 4, 8 says, Most important of all, I know that, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your homes with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So let's talk about discernment. Where are you going? Now, the right answer should be, well, Jeff, I'm going nowhere because I'm being socially responsible in these times. But bigger picture, where are you going in life? Where is your walk with God taking you at this moment in time? We've been saying this whole series that we've only got so much in our fuel tanks. We can't do everything. We can't be all things to all people. And so if we have limited resources, if we only have so much in the tank, we need to be aware that some roads are going to look good, but we can't go down them. We need to stay focused on making it to our destination. Does this road take me closer to where I want to go? That requires making choices, and that's where discernment comes in. Some roads will be good roads for other people, but not for you. Have you ever made a wrong turn in your car? Now, you're a liar if you say no. How many times have you kind of gone down the road and gone, oh, no, wait, this is not the right road? You instantly realise. I remember the first time trying to drive through Dublin. Disaster. Uh, I got lost so quickly. Um, no sat-nav, the one-way streets I got caught in and all the rest of it. It took a long time to get back on the right road. Listen to me, Christian, this morning. Sometimes it can take years to get back on the right road again after a wrong turn. We know this, right? And, you know, Earlier in the series, we called our Bibles the owner's manual. And you can mix metaphors if you want them for now and call it your sat-nav. Great, fine, whatever. But even still, with that help, getting back on track, it will add time to your journey that you didn't want to waste and it will use up fuel and resources that you didn't have room to give. Truth is, we can't always tell what the right and wrong roads are, though, at the start. It feels like a wee bit of a game of deal or no deal where you have to pick a random box and, okay, you can, you know, in that show, they always kind of spoof this kind of mumble jumble and they try to rationalise it. Oh, there's good energy or there's good vibes and there's... Uh, and sometimes we try and spiritualize guesses. Truth is, if we're honest, sometimes we don't have any real idea or certainty that that's the right or wrong idea for us. Or what, what was that other show? Uh, Des O'Connor back in the 90s. Um, take, take your pick. You know, the one with the yes-no game and then you had to pick the prize in the box. And you got a key for box 13 or something something like that there um, anyway that show just proves that we are prone sometimes to just wanting to go for the unknown to choose ignorance but discernment helps us to understand a bit more carefully to make decisions that are a wee bit more informed you have people who 
they've got a bad habit of always finding themselves in bad friendships and bad relationships and they'll say you know jeff i can't understand why this always happens to me well the common factor in all these relationships is you and listen okay church you know i love you but some of us are just really bad at making good choices um at discerning what the right road is and look destination is determined by direction and direction is determined by our discernment as you drive along on your journey you will face opportunities to turn off at every junction every rounded point is a choice now a new road it could be an opportunity from god remember in first corinthians 16 9 paul's trying to explain changes in his travel plans to the corinthians and he says to them like a wide door for effective work has opened up to me which is amazing, right? God has given me new opportunities and I'm turning here. I'm going to take these, this opportunity. I'm going to go down this road because God has better plans, better plans than I had. So I'm taking this turn. Now, for those of you who know your Bibles, of course, you'll know that that's not the whole verse that I read. Because when he says, look, this door is open to me, he then says, and there's many adversaries. Often the equation is opportunity plus opposition equals God's will. The right road is rarely called Easy Street. In fact, I promise you on God's word that if you choose to go down the roads and seize the opportunities that God has put before you, there will be opposition. There will always be reasons for you to turn around. But I have said that a new road may not be an opportunity from God. It could be a distraction from other people. That makes this road a dead end. Discernment will tell you that if this exciting opportunity in front of you is from God or not. You see, God has a wonderful plan for your life, but everyone else has a plan for your life as well. Some roads will look exciting, they'll look full of potential, but if they don't take you to the destination that you've set out, then it's not the right road, regardless of how good or exciting it may be. If you remember the story in Nehemiah, it's a brilliant, brilliant story. He's a high-ranking official in Persia, uh, modern-day Iran, under King Artaxerxes. And he hears about stuff going on back in his home city of Jerusalem. And his heart breaks, and so he starts praying and fasting. And then all of a sudden, coincidentally, the king notices him and says, Look, what's up, Nehemiah? You're not yourself. You're, feeling, you're looking down. Then once oh, everything's explained, the king says, Okay, so what can I do for you? How can I help make this right? You see, when you wait and you pray, that's the time when you should be planning. If I came to you and said, okay, look, the elders, we're going to back you. What's your vision? What, what's your plan for, for making, for reaching out to people? Tell me, would you be able to say, okay, well, Jeff, listen, here's exactly what I need. Here's my heart. Here's my vision. Here's what I need to reach people for this year, for the next five years, for the next 10 years. Would you be able to know? Would you even know what it is you'd want to happen do you know where the road you're on is taking you nehemiah was able to answer the king straight away here is my heart that's my destination and here's my plan that's the route i want to take faith isn't just lazily waiting around for things to fall into our laps and all oh, if it's meant to be it'll be it's planning and getting ready think more of that time of prayer and preparation as a sprinter crouching on your marks get set so as soon as that starting gun goes, bang, he's off. He's readily anticipating it. And he's getting ready to go and go hard. Some people didn't want Jerusalem to be rebuilt. And so 
They couldn't stop Nehemiah, so that what they tried to do was slow him down distract him and say look listen buddy let's let's come sit down talk come come and talk to us spend some time chatting to us about what your plans are you know death by committee but when you go to nehemiah 6 verse 3 we read the response to this uh invitation and he says look i sent messengers to him then he went to myself and he says i'm doing a great work and i cannot come down why should the work stop while i leave it and come down to you Sometimes we need to learn and say to people, look, I know you've got big plans and I know you've got your own thing going on, but I know what God has called me to do. So me stopping isn't up for debate. Me being distracted isn't on the agenda today. I'm doing what God has called me to do and I'm not going to stop. So some roads are from God. They're opportunities from God. Other roads are distractions from people and some roads are traps from sin. In Matthew 16, Peter's being commended. And then by the time we get to verse 23, he's being condemned. Remember when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me. You're not setting your mind on the things of God. You're thinking about the things of men. When we limit our thinking to the ways of men, that's a dangerous road to go down. It's a trap. See, so how do we know which road is which? How can you tell the difference? Well, we start with scripture. Since this is God's word to us, he's not then going to tell you something different. He doesn't make exceptions. He never says, okay, look, this is my law for the cosmos, but we married down in arts. She gets a wee buy. She gets to do her own thing. No, that doesn't work. The Bible is full of commands. Do this and this and don't do these things. Because, why? Because those things don't reflect the heart of God or, or the will of God for those that endorse him. So if you come across a road that sends you against scripture, then it's a trap. Can come, let me give you an example. Uh, imagine a married couple uh, and they're finding it tough uh, and the marriage is still and you're dissatisfied and you're growing apart. And in truth, you're looking for the road out of the marriage. Then through work, you meet a gorgeous new employee. They're funny and even better, they think you're funny. They take interest in your hobbies, not whether you've done your chores. They compliment you instead of complain. They volunteer to go get you a cup of coffee when at home you're told to go get it yourself. Then you do the thing that you should never do. You compare. The pro you should never do it because you're not comparing apples with apples. You're not even comparing apples with oranges. Uh, you're comparing tangerines with submarines. Totally different. Okay, they, they kind of sound the same, but that's about as close as they get. You're never going to compare the same. One's an unfiltered reality with your spouse to an imagined fantasy with someone trying to make a good impression in a new workplace. I say, oh, but Jeff, you know, God showed me what he really wants for my life of what could be. And I know God wants me to be happy. I'm sorry, that all of that's just wrong. Proverbs 6 and 7 talk about the toxic impact of an affair. And in chapter 6, verse 32, he says, He who commits adultery lacks sense, and he who does it destroys himself. Does that sound like a road God wants you to go down? Do you think that's a road that God says that will lead to happiness? It's a trap, which is what Proverbs 7 goes on to say in a lot of detail. Now, can there be forgiveness for such things? There can be. Will there be scars? Always. There can't be healing, but you can never be able to undo what has been done. Even if the pain can be removed, the scar remains. So what do you do with your marriage then? 
Well, stop thinking the grass is greener somewhere else for a start. Grass is never greener. The grass is only greener where you water it. So cultivate, nurture, care for your relationship instead of making someone else do all the hard work, expecting them to be the ones that change. Grow up, take responsibility, keep your vows. Focus on changing yourself. And if you change, then that's going to change the dynamics. And if you change the dynamics, that's going to change the relationship because those old patterns can't be repeated. So go and be loving, be tender, be forgiving, be attentive, be selfless. Men, you want to be treated like a king? Then treat her like a queen. Ladies, if you want to be treated like a queen, treat him like a king. It has to go both ways. And that takes courage. It demands that you be vulnerable and that's scary, but it is the right thing to do. So be courageous, courageous even enough to love. And that's not an easy road. But turning off from that road's a trap. So be courageous. Do the right thing, even if it's scary. Some roads are opportunities. Some roads are distractions. Others are traps. And other roads, you'll find that God has just closed off to you. And that's okay. You may have really wanted to go a certain route, but God puts a diversion in place for you. And normally his way is better, let's be honest. In Genesis 7, we read about Noah and the ark, about how two by two they came in, male and female, just as God had commanded. And then the Lord God closed the door of the ark. He closed the door. Why? To protect the people inside the ark. Sometimes God will close off an avenue in your life because he knows what's best for you. He's trying to protect you. Think of pretty much any teenager that you've met who's been dumped and it sucks and the world is over and nobody understands. Um, we remember being there. It does suck. Well, it sucks until the next boy comes along or the next girl comes along. And I promise you this, sometimes it's better to be single than dating a guy who's bad for you. The worst place in the world to be is to be madly in love with someone who doesn't care. Don't go chasing after that guy again if God protects you by closing that door. Uh, let me just say something also. Once, once you've set your destination, once you've planned your route and identified what opportunities are from God and what are distractions and what are traps, okay, I can't quite get all the metaphors lined up here, so forgive the awkward segue, but when you're driving on your route and so focused on where you're going, be wary of other drivers on the road. You're not the only one trying to get to where God wants them to be. You're not the only one trying to get back on the right road having made wrong turns. You're not the only one concerned about running on empty. So be kind. Did you know that the majority of promises in the Bible relate to encouraging us to be generous? God is a generous God and he wants us to do the same. Proverbs 11, 25 says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Do you want a prosperous walk with God? Do you want to be prosperous as you journey through this life towards heaven? Then be generous to the other people you meet along the road. It's the heart of God most simply displayed. Now, generosity will vary from person to person. People with a young family like myself are pushed to the limit with time. So to give a small bit of time for us is extremely generous, but for others, maybe it's money. 
For others, it'll be their gifts and their expertise that they can lend. For others, it'll be insight and wisdom and advice. The point is, hold on to your stuff loosely. And the principle is simple. The more you give, the richer you become. Uh, think of Job. Uh, in Job 31, now we know the story of Job and all that he went through. And it's worth noting that he started and finished this adventure as the richest man on earth. But in verse 32 of Job 31, he says, I have never turned away a stranger and I've opened my doors to everyone. He says, I've never turned anyone away. I was generous with everyone. Look, they all were poorer than I am. They were all this furniture, so I didn't differentiate. And he says, I lived my life trying to encourage others by my generosity. And for those in our own church who remember Bob's, who's no longer with us, you'll have experienced a wonderful, generous spirit. You'll have known what it's like to have been encouraged and enriched by how she shared her heart, her home, her advice, her love. Whatever she had, she held on loosely to it because she knew what real riches were all about. You know, as a kid, I always remember the drive up to the North Coast. It always felt like ages because we were always so excited about getting up to the beach or up to Barry's amusements and all the rest of it. But there was always that moment whenever you're just coming past Balmain and you turned right at the roundabout and you're just coming past Ballybogie and there was that moment when you first see the ocean. There's that gap between the horizon and the green fields and you see it. You could see your destination. You could see that it was close. You still had a bit of distance to go. You weren't there yet. The journey wasn't over, but there was this reminder that the long journey was going to be worth it. I think sometimes if you're prepared to keep looking the right way, on our journey, God allows us, allows the road to maybe show us a glimpse of what lies ahead, to encourage us to keep going, say, look, you're nearly there. Keep going. I, I know you maybe feel like you don't have much in the tank. I know this journey's been long and hard, but you're nearly there. Keep going. You're nearly at the place where I want you to be. So stay focused. Stay on the path. Don't give up now. And so folks, look, in a world with a million possible outcomes and variables, where it's almost impossible to say, okay, here is when church is going to get back. Here's when the schools are going to get back without having to tag on, depending on how things go afterwards how do you know what path to go down how do you know what road to take well learn discernment learn courage don't wait to take the road of god's opportunity when you're not afraid I, i've met so many people and they almost refuse to serve god because they don't have a peace listen peace won't come before you turn the peace of god will come as you move down that road most of the big decisions in my personal and pastoral life are made when i am scared stiff i didn't have a peace until after i made the decision i had to trust and as i walked god calmed my fears and gave me peace and number three learn generosity wherever you are whatever stage of your journey with god whether you're just setting off, whether you're still plotting your route or whether you're trying to get back from a wrong turn, be generous. Remember 1 Peter 4, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other and for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Living the Christian life doesn't have to require crazy deep theology. Although the more you can understand and appreciate the depths, the better. 
but as you grow in knowledge and understanding, simply be generous. Give as God has given and give what God has given. And you'll find he'll start steering you in the paths of righteousness. All right, folks, God bless and we'll see you soon.